Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. David Shoemate is the play-by-play -play voice of Duke football and men's basketball. Devils got a predictably dominant win over Miami last night, but they also broke a little losing streak in the process. Matthew Hurt, freshman forward, was fantastic. I'll tell you more of my most important takeaways from Duke's win over Miami as the Devils remain among the half a dozen or so national contenders in all of college basketball. Former Devil Zion Williamson makes his NBA regular season debut tonight. Some say it's the most anticipated pro debut since that LeBron James guy in 2003. Zion has been injured, of course. Our question of the day is, are you betting boom, bust, or something in between for him as a pro? We're also kind of building a former Blue Devils in the NBA All-Star team, if you will. Kyrie Irving is our point guard. Grant Hill is one of our forwards. For Zion to be a true boom, and many of you are voting boom over bust today as he launches his NBA career, he would have to have a long career that includes NBA All-Star game appearances because there are a whole bunch of Devils who fit that description in the NBA. They don't have the Michael Jordan guy. Grant Hill might be closest to that. 19 years in the league, seven All-Star games. Kyrie Irving hasn't even been in the league for a full decade, and yet he's been to six All-Star games. Those are the best pro careers of any former Blue Devils. Can Zion approach something like that in the long run? Do you believe his body type or his past injuries make him that much more vulnerable to injuries at the pro level? Are you betting boom or bust or something in between as he launches his NBA career tonight. Let's go to Craig in, in Greensboro. I have more on Duke's win over Miami, Carolina's trip to Virginia Tech. Let me give you that one thing I promised from Cole Anthony. And then Craig, Rob wants in. His son played against Zion Williamson at the high school level. Nolan wants in on yesterday's Baseball Hall of Fame vote. Still more on the NFL and other college basketball. It's been about five weeks after Cole Anthony's knee surgery. Now, Cole Anthony is not expected to be the Zion Williamson type number one overall pick in the NBA draft. However, he will be a lottery pick. Remember, before he got hurt for the Tar Heels, he was averaging 19-plus points per game. And if there were a freshman All-American team vote back then, he'd have been on the starting five, okay? Cole Anthony did get hurt. He did need that surgery. They originally said four to six weeks was his recovery period. We're roughly at the five-week period right now as the Tar Heels visit Virginia Tech, and you all know it's been a train wreck for Roy Williams and UNC. At one and five in conference play, they are dead last in the league standings. And at eight and nine overall, they are at risk of giving UNC basketball just their second losing season since 1962. Roy Williams personally as a college assistant coach and college head coach over many decades, has never been associated with a losing season, period. He's 8-9 and nine right now as the Heels visit Virginia Tech. Here was Cole Anthony's message last night on social media to those who suggested, as Zion Williamson heard, remember, after his exploding shoe and injury a year ago at Duke, the guys who say, just stop playing for free in college. Why do that? when you can preserve your multi-million dollar status as an NBA lottery pick if you just pull the plug entirely on your college basketball career and prepare for the NBA draft. Cole Anthony has heard that argument, and similar to Zion Williamson a year ago, he has said he rejects that argument. Quote, tired of seeing all this talk? My mind is made up. 
He not only had two exclamation points, Darren, on social media, he made them those thick red exclamation points. I don't even know how to do that. I know how to do an exclamation point. Is it an emoji to get the yellow, yeah. the red one? Yeah, I can, so just I can... scroll past the uh, the smileys when you pull up the emojis, okay. and the red exclamation points are there. Learn something new every day. Thank <laughs> you, my friend. Can't and, and he finished Cole Anthony last night on social media. Can't wait to get back on the court with my brothers. Now, remember, he's been dressed in suits and clothes, regular clothes, rather than his basketball uniform. He has accompanied the Heels on road trips. So just the fact that he's in Blacksburg with the team tonight does not mean he's going to surprise everybody and be in uniform. Roy Williams usually requires the guys to be at practice for a stretch prior to playing. Do the Heels need him? Desperately. Not only is he a special talent defensively and offensively, duh, that's the obvious part. I believe he allows everybody else to go back to a more, more appropriate job description. In other words, Brandon Robinson becomes a better version of himself when he's not asked to be the man, which he's not capable of being. Even Garrison Brooks, Armando Baycott, those guys are better versions of themselves when they're playing off of Cole Anthony. He is not a panacea, Darren, good SAT word. He is not the ultimate answer to all of the Tar Heels' woes. Even with Cole Anthony, the Tar Heels had some struggles. But, man, are they a lot better when he's in the lineup? Absolutely, positively, yes. Do we know when he's returning? Not at the moment. Do we know that he is returning? He said so in his own words just last night. Craig in Greensboro, welcome to the David Glenn Show. Thanks for hanging in there. Go ahead. Hey, guys. Hey, man. Um, the, the first thing that came to my mind, actually, outside of Grant Hill was, uh, was Elton Brink. You are correct, my friend. If we're if we're building an all-former Blue Devil team in the NBA, uh, I think Elton Brand is one of our big guys. There's no doubt about it. For those who don't remember, he lasted 17 years in the NBA. He was the number one overall pick in the NBA. He doesn't get any credit for that, the way we're evaluating these pro bodies of work. But he was also a two-time All-Star, right? I mean, at some point, to be remembered among the best former Blue Devils in the NBA, at some point, you should make an All-Star team. So I'm getting, like... People are mentioning Shane Battier. Yeah, he lasted a long time in the NBA. He did win some NBA championship rings. He was a complimentary player at the pro level, but we'll put him on the roster. Um, what, what else do you remember, Craig, about either Elton Brand or, or what are you betting on Zion Williamson? Boom, bust, or something in between? Well, yeah, actually, while I was on hold, I looked up Elton Brand's physical statistics, and it's very similar. He was two inches taller and about 20 pounds lighter, but that's not much of a difference. And they had him as a forward center. So yeah. even in our, our pickup league game, we can move Elton Brand around a little <laughs> yeah, bit. Yeah, we need versatility, don't we? I mean, Ky if, if we ask nicely, Kyrie Irving will play either guard spot on our former Blue Devils in the NBA All-Star team. Grant Hill is versatile. He could play two, three, or four, depending on our opposition, of course. Elton Brand is versatile. Uh, I don't know if everybody remembers all of these guys. But I think those are the first three that we should mention. Kyrie Irving, Grant Hill, and Elton Brand, conveniently. One's a point, one's a forward, and one's more of a post. Um, Old-timers would remember a guy named Jeff Mullins. Uh, he was in the NBA for a long time. He was a three-time All-Star, so he's somewhere in the mix. He would be the first guy mentioned who was not a Coach K player. He played long enough ago that you know Coach K took over in the 80s, basically. Um, and, Craig, did you tell me boom, buster in between with uh, Zion Williamson making his debut tonight? 
Well, I think actually Elton Brand is a good comparison. I think he will have at least as good of a career okay. as Elton Brand and probably better. All right, so that's a boom for sure. If you end up anywhere in that neighborhood, I'm calling that a boom. Carlos Boozer was not. So remember, Kyrie Irving was it was an extremely high draft pick. So was Grant Hill. So was Elton Brand. Carlos Boozer was not even a first-round draft pick. And I believe that if we picked – you know, a starting lineup. I mean, again, give me Battier off the bench. Give me J.J. Redick off the bench. These are really long-term, solid pros from the Duke program where they just were never quite elite NBA players. Good, really good for a long time. But we're going to bring J.J. and Shane and some others off the bench. Carlos Boozer played 13 years in the NBA and was a two-time All-Star and has some of the better scoring rebounding numbers of any former Duke player ever in the league. To do that as a second-round pick, to me, is just kind of crazy. But how about that? You okay with Boozer next to Brand down low, Darren? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I thought, I thought Booz had a really good career. I, without seeing his numbers, you know, off the top of my head, he, he fits that, this part of the conversation. If you're a sure. younger person, you could have a Luol Deng also on the wing. If you're an older person, you could have Jeff Mullins instead. Both of those guys were multi-time NBA All-Stars, and both of those guys lasted a dozen or more years in the NBA. So that's our maybe a starting five. Kyrie Irving, Luol Deng, Grant Hill, Elton Brand, and Carlos Boozer. That's what Zion Williamson is chasing as he makes his NBA debut tonight. You okay with that so far? My assistant coach, Darren Vaught, yeah, no, I think so. And now keep in mind, eventually the jury's still out on a, a few Duke guys that are in the oh, NBA. No, no. I, so like a Jason Tatum correct. or a Brandon no, no. Ingram could eventually hey, make their way in, Brandon but there's not enough there. Brandon Ingram's already been a good NBA player, and he is blossoming this year. Kinston's own Brandon Ingram via one year at Duke. I'm kind of – I agree with you. Let's leave Brandon Ingram, Jason Tatum, Jabari Parker, Marvin Bagley, Wendell Carter Jr., Luke Kennard's had a pretty good NBA career. Let's leave them on the back burner. They're, they're either midstream or very early in their NBA careers. Among the guys who are either veterans or former players, don't get me wrong, like I want Mike Jaminski off the bench. G-Man hung around forever. Popular guest here on the David Glenn Show, broadcaster to this day. So I got a G-Man off the bench. I've got a Battier off the bench. I've got a J.J. Redick off the bench. And even though Leitner was not the superstar in the NBA after being one of the best college players of all time, Leitner lasted more than a decade in the NBA and did play in one NBA All-Star game and did play for you know USA Basketball and the Dream Team if you want to give him bonus points for that. So Leitner's on our roster he just was not a superstar in the pros after being certainly that in college. Corey Maggette lasted 14 years in the NBA. 14 years. I mean, that deserves respect right there. What do we have, 13, 15-man rosters for this all-Duke team today? Zion Williamson, I think, has a much better shot of being a boom than a bust or anything in between. Let's see, Rob in Asheville. I mean, not everybody has this perspective on Zion Williamson. Welcome to the David Glenn Show. I appreciate you calling. Go ahead. Yeah, my son played him man-to-man at Carolina Day, and he was at Spartanburg Day, a freshman and sophomore year. Big difference in sophomore and junior year. Really? Oh, yeah. Physically and every other way. What do you say to your son? What do you say say to your son when he's supposed to guard a 6'7", 270-pound flying bulldozer? Well, that league had... Fulkelson from Tennessee and a big 6'10 and 6'11 
at uh, whatever Rayburn Gap. So he was used to big people, but the difference in Zion, obviously, Leonard Hamilton described probably goes back to where people don't even remember, but after the ACC tournament, they asked Hamilton, he said, it reminds me of one guy you guys probably had never heard of. The quickness is like Henry Logan. Hmm. You ever heard of Henry Logan? I have heard of him. That is a little before my time, but I've heard that comparison. I think Coach Ham might have said it on our show. Yeah, yeah, he's quick. Quick, quick, quick. It's hard to be quick. At, and, you know, Zion sometimes is listed as 285. I don't think of quick and 285 going together. But Zion's plenty quick. He's got the ups. He's got agility left or right. He can dunk over you. I mean, it's just I haven't seen anybody ever that truly fits his dimensions and has that athleticism. I mean, so, you know, left tackles are sometimes athletic and even larger. But in basketball, I've never seen anybody quite like Zion Williamson. Will it translate into a great NBA career? We shall see. Glad your son survived having to guard Zion back at the high school level. Eric is in Durham. He's going to be next. Nolan is in Raleigh. He wants in on baseball. The NFL is 11 days away from its Super Bowl. Luke Keekley is now expected to stay with the Carolina Panthers, not as a player. He is still a retired 28-year-old linebacker. That door is closed. That page has been turned. But I'll give you a Luke Keekley update on the other side. ACC football schedules were released this morning. The new class of the North Carolina Sports Hall of Fame inductees was announced this morning. That 57th annual banquet will be May 1st at the Raleigh Convention Center. You can learn more about this year's class. Muggsy Bogues, Mac Brown, Trot Nixon, Julius Peppers, among the many familiar names in this year's class of 12 newcomers. NCSHOF.org. That's short for, of course, North Carolina Sports Hall of Fame, ncshof.org. Learn more about today's news or how you can attend the 57th annual banquet May 1st at Raleigh's Convention Center. 1-800-849-2761. More baseball, more Zion Williamson talk, more Cole Anthony and the Tar Heels. Maybe they can win even if he doesn't play tonight in Blacksburg. The Hokies are one of the pleasant surprises of the ACC basketball season so far. The Tar Heels, of course, are one of the lingering disasters of the ACC basketball season so far. And beyond these Zion recollections, what about this year's Blue Devils? They crushed Miami last night, but I think there are three more important things than just the win to take away from what happened at Cameron last night. More of my thoughts on those topics with more of your phone calls. 1-800-849-2761. David Shoemate of Duke, third hour. Rick Bennell live from Paris, France on all things NBA. Did you know the Hornets are over there to play an actual NBA basketball game later this week? We'll talk Zion with Rick Bennell as well. You can be next at 1-800-849-2761 on The David Glenn Show. Rob Schneider joining us on The David Glenn Show. When they try to have three days of the NFL draft on TV, my friend said, hey, you going to watch the NFL draft? That's like getting excited about a strip club that's still under construction. <laughs> like you see that building over there in a couple of months? There'll be some breasts in there. You're listening to The David Glenn Show. Welcome back to The David Glenn Show. Quick updates as we come back to your calls and look forward to David Shoemate, play-by-play voice of Duke. Rick Bennell joins us live from Paris, France. Yes, Paris, France. 
The Charlotte Hornets have a game there later this week. Zion Williamson is making his NBA regular season debut tonight. We have a question of the day with that in mind. We'll, of course, ask Rick about it as well when he joins next hour. Are you betting on boom or bust or something in between for Zion Williamson at the NBA level? after he had, of course, one of the very best rookie seasons in the history of college basketball. He was the National Player of the Year. He was the ACC Tournament MVP. He was an ACC champion. He did lead his team well into the NCAA Tournament before it fell short. Anthony Davis, Carmelo Anthony, Zion Williamson, those are among the names that have had the greatest freshman seasons in college hoops history. As we come to David in Winston-Salem, who has Duke basketball in his mind, Eric in Durham as well, Nolan and Raleigh once in on baseball, and I have a quick note there. If you all saw the Kansas-Kansas State brawl at the end of that rivalry game in college hoops last night, we don't have all of the repercussions, but Kansas head coach Bill Self, who's, remember, under scrutiny himself, he is charged by the NCAA of being asleep at the switch as NCAA rules were being violated. You know, the Jayhawks are appealing their penalties that include a lack of institutional control charge. There was certainly a lack of control last night on behalf of some of the players in the Kansas-Kansas State uh, matchup on the college basketball court. Silvio DeSosa, Kansas forward. And remember, Kansas is one of the top-ranked teams in the entire country. I mean, they're up there somewhere with Duke and Florida State and Louisville among the contenders in this chaotic college basketball season for the national championship or the Final Four or however you want to put it. This is not a Big 12 announcement. This is a Bill Self Kansas announcement. Statement says this, I have suspended Silvio indefinitely pending the final outcome of the review by Kansas and the Big 12 Conference. As I said last night, we are disappointed in his actions, and there is no place in the game for that behavior. Everybody has their own opinion on who did the worst things out there, but if you didn't see it, basically it was a taunting charge followed by, it's the very end of the game, a taunting charge followed by players coming off the bench, some of whom were not even in the game. It was a chaotic scene. You can blame the guy who taunted after the blocked shot. You can blame the guy who grabbed the chair later. You can blame the guy who threw the first punch or who came off the bench first. I think you're going to see a lot of suspensions from the Big 12 office. Kansas coach Bill Self has suspended one of his key players indefinitely pending the outcome of that review. And then since baseball is on our mind as well, the day after the Hall of Fame ballots, Derek Jeter is in, but not unanimously. Nolan has some thoughts on that. Larry Walker is in barely in his final year on the ballot. Kurt Schilling, Roger Clemens, Barry Bonds were the next closest, but as controversial candidates, they all fell short for one reason or another. Baseball commissioner Rob Manfred was asked whether he plans or baseball plans to strip the recent World Series titles from the Houston Astros or the Boston Red Sox. Of course, the Astros investigation is over. They were cheating in clear violations of Major League Baseball rules. They were using technology to steal signs and then relaying that information to batters, for example. 
The Astros and the Red Sox won those titles in 2017 and 2018. The Red Sox are still under investigation. His answer was no. There will be no vacating of championships the way you sometimes see in college athletics. He told Fox Business Network that Major League Baseball will honor the, quote, long tradition in our sport of not trying to change what happened. I think the answer from our perspective is to be transparent about what the investigation showed and then let our fans make their own decision about what happened. Manfred said that a little bit earlier today. Back to your calls and some of the topics of the day. 1-800-849-2761. Last night, Duke beat Miami. Tonight, Carolina visits Virginia Tech. More on those matchups of today's college basketball. Back to your Zion Williamson questions and comments as well. Let's go to Nolan in Raleigh. Since I just gave you that Rob Manfred baseball update, Nolan wants in on yesterday's Hall of Fame news. Go right ahead. Hey, David. Um, so everyone's really uh, freaking out about the single vote that uh, Derek Jeter didn't receive, and I just think it's a far more egregious uh, you know, crime, I guess, uh, that Larry Walker in his 10th year on the ballot only received 76% of the vote. Um, I think there is a case to be made that Larry Walker was a, a better bat uh, than Derek Jeter was. He didn't have the durability of Derek Jeter, so um, you know, only once in his career did he even hit uh, 150 games in a season. So, and that's that's in large part because uh, you know he played on turf in Montreal, uh, and that takes a toll. And um, but you you know why there's not an outcry over Larry Walker, by the way. When you go from 22% of the vote, and that's what he got three years ago, if you're mad now that he only got 76, at least he's in, right? How mad were you three years ago when Larry Walker only got 22% of the vote? It is hard to get from 22% to 76% in a three-year period. So I think that's why there is no outcry over Larry Walker. He got on the right side of 75%. He is in, and deservedly so. Some question his numbers being inflated because of all those years at Coors Field. But he does have amazing numbers. They are not nearly as good for his road games, for example. But I think what Derek Jeter, you know, and you're, you're again, you would, you believe Jeter deserved the vote, right? You're just comparing oh, Walker to him? He, yeah. He, yeah, absolutely. That's, yeah. I mean, it's stupid that there was uh, a voter against it. Um, just maybe uh, there was a point to be made there that, you know, if, if Jeter deserved to be in, um, you know, almost unanimously on his first ballot, then, yeah. uh, what, you know, why, why are we still doing this the way Walker, who should have been in years ago? Uh, I think like, what, yeah, I think I appreciate the call. I mean, and he got in on his 10th and final ballot. If you haven't seen the video, check it out. It's really emotional stuff as he want, went in a matter of minutes from thinking he missed his 10th and final chance to get in by the writer's balloting. He knew what time the phone call was supposed to come. I'm assuming that whoever places that call was talking to Derek Jeter at the time, right? So Walker knows what time the call is supposed to come in. I think you have to wait. Even though Jeter knew he was going in, you're supposed to still call him. Like, there's a procedure, and it is at whatever o'clock. So you call Derek Jeter. You try not to make the phone call too long. Maybe Derek was very chatty. So it just extended phone call number two a little bit. Larry Walker was dead solid convinced 
that his 10th and final chance had passed him by, and then his phone rang, and he looked at it, and everybody went bananas. It was a really cool scene. One note about Derek Jeter, who, for those who dwell only on numbers, meaning, hey, Derek Jeter's pure numbers were not as extravagant at some, as some others, whereas Mariano Rivera's numbers as a closer were so off the charts and everybody liked Mariano. He, he just didn't do much to alienate people. So you don't have a voter making a statement beyond what, what matters. Mariano remains the only unanimous first ballot Hall of Famer ever in the sport of baseball. Whereas Derek Jeter's offensive numbers are not as sort of off the charts as some others, here's one for you. There are only two players in the history of Major League Baseball who won or were part of more than 500 more wins than they were losses. In other words, Derek Jeter played more than 2,000 Major League Baseball games. He and Lou Gehrig, Yankee from way back, are the only two guys who played in 500 or more, more wins than they were a part of defeats. Now, that's bringing the team concept in, and I do think it is a mostly individual award, but it doesn't hurt if you're cranking out World Series titles to go with your all-star appearances and your you know, 3,000 hits and your whatever else. It is a blend in every sport that we follow. What you do individually is the bigger chunk of the pie, but the more you're associated with team success, the more your candidacy is helped. I don't think there's any doubt about that. We hear about Super Bowl rings in football. We hear about NBA titles. We also hear about World Series championships. Derek Jeter was a winner. Lou Gehrig was a winner. Now, Gehrig had Babe Ruth and others. You know, Derek Jeter had Mariano Rivera and others. There's a blend of individual and collective going on here. But it underlines that Derek Jeter was an ultimate winner. If you take the field, what was it, 2,500 times or something in Jeter's case, and you had 500-plus more wins than losses, that is rarefied air. And, in fact, only one of two in Major League Baseball history fit that description. Eric is in Durham and wants to go back to college basketball. Welcome to the David Glenn Show. Go right ahead. Hey, thanks for taking my call, DG. Sure, man. Uh, you know you weren't going to have a – you were going to hear my voice with a question of the day. Of like, course, man. You could probably <laughs> fill out the whole 13-man roster, right? Oh, man, absolutely. All right, so ready? I'll, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you what we have. You, you add to it. We've got Kyrie at point guard, six-time NBA All-Star, of course, formerly of Duke. Grant Hill at one of our forwards, seven-time NBA All-Star, formerly of Duke. And then you got a couple big guys on your mind. Go ahead with yours. Well, I did have Elton Brand and Carlos Boozer, who you'd mentioned before, but how about uh, Danny Ferry? I think we can find room for Danny Ferry. He lasted more than a decade in the NBA. I don't think he made an all-star game, but we'll we'll find a place for a Euro forward somewhere on this roster. Maybe he can back up Christian Leitner. Wasn't there you go. Those guys were teammates, I think, briefly way back in the day. Did they crisscross? Trying to remember. Maybe they did, yes. Barely, and right? The, uh, his freshman and sophomore year. Yeah. So we got uh, we got Brandon Boozer in the post. We're going to bring Mike Jaminski off the bench in the post. We got Ferry and Leitner as kind of the stretch forwards. We got Shane Battier coming off our bench at forward as well. Uh, and the rest depends on how far back into the wayback machine you want to go. We got Luol Deng. We got Jeff Mullins from the pre-Coach K era. We have uh, Johnny Dawkins to come off the bench at guard, right? Nobody I don't, I don't think has mentioned Johnny yet. How about uh, Mike Dunleavy? 
Dunleavy's been around forever. I don't know if he's Long ever been career. a great NBA player, but man, has he been around forever, right? He's been a he's been a role player most of his career, yeah. but yeah. I, and I'm I'm not quite old enough to remember Gene Banks well in the NBA. Another guy right before Coach K came along, but I think he might be able to make. How many roster spots do we get, Darren Vaught, Coach Vaught? How many do we get? You gonna give me 15? Yeah, 15. Sure. For right, purposes I, of this, why not? I might have spat out 15 names there. Yeah. Kyrie Irving, <laughs> give me this as a starting lineup. Kyrie Irving, of course, until Zion starting tonight changes the world and at some point crashes this party. We've got Kyrie Irving at the one. Let's throw Luol Deng at the two, Grant Hill at the three, Elton Brand at the four, Carlos Boozer at the five. Are you with me so far? Give me a Jeff Mullins off the bench on the wing, a G-man down low, Ferry and Leitner can be backup forwards, Corey Maggette and J.J. Redick can be backup wings, Johnny Dawkins will backup point guard. I'm getting close to... a 15 man. There are a lot of older, older guys on that list. This thing might change a lot the next well, five to seven yes, years. Well, and yes, we're leaving Brandon Ingram, Jason Tatum, and the more modern guys yeah. as what ifs. You can't make this all time team after three or four years in the no, NBA. No, for sure. I'm so. just, I'm just saying that there are a lot of guys in the, like Zion who could crash this party. I agree. In the next five to seven well, years. Well, you know how the world works nowadays. After Zion has a great game tonight, they're going to tell us he should be in our starting five. <laughs> you know, what have you done for me lately? Recency bias. That's how all this stuff works. David is in Winston-Salem and next on the David Glenn Show. Hey, DG. Hey, hey, man, what's hey, going John. on? Doing well. All right. It's no doubt that uh, Zion's going to be a hit. I agree. My guy is a what if. What if, John, uh, what if Jay Williams never got on that motorcycle? Wow. What if Joe, uh, I, got a, I got another one. What if Bobby Hurley never got into his accident, right? Well, that's true. That's exactly right. The, the, the vehicle ran into his truck. Yes. Like killed him. Yes. Yeah, I mean, those two guys were phenomenal college point guards, Bobby Hurley and Jay Williams. And, of course, they're not on this list because they didn't last very long and they had kind of, you know, tragic, without anybody dying in that case, tragic endings to their NBA careers. I mean, their bodies were so – Jay Williams has told us on this show the emotions of being in that hospital bed and, and just, uh, you know, I can't remember if he used the word depression, but it sounded like a depressive state. You go from top of the world, multimillionaire, realizing your college and pro basketball dreams, and then, in his case, the motorcycle accident, and, and everything is gone. I mean, his, his life and career have gone on great paths as a broadcaster, et cetera. But, uh, so we got Kyrie Irving as our starting former Duke point guard. Uh, we've got Johnny Dawkins as a backup, and then we have the what-if backups, Bobby Hurley and Jay Williams at the point guard position. That's a pretty good point. Thanks for playing, man. 1-800-849-2761 is your ticket into the program. Quickly, last night, did you happen to see Darren Duke beat Miami? You wouldn't think there are important takeaways from a game that ended up a 30-point <laughs> victory for the Blue Devils, no, for right? Much, for much of the game, Duke had them doubled up, too, points-wise. I mean, it was, what, 48-24 to 24 at one point? We told you it was going to be a mismatch, yeah. and it was. Miami has three good guards, and they have very little else, and they were going to double or triple team Vernon Carey, and they did. And Duke is good enough elsewhere that they were going to punish the Hurricanes for that. And they did. Three most important takeaways very quickly, and then we'll come more to your calls. 1-800-849-2761. Number one, Matthew Hurt, freshman forward, 
took the kind of step forward that he needed to take. It is not enough. Look at Duke last year had a very good year in a lot of ways. Zion Williamson, National Player of the Year. Duke was the ACC champion. Zion was the ACC tournament MVP. R.J. Barrett was an all-ACC player and one of the best in the league. Cam Reddish turned out to be a lottery pick. Trey Jones, back this year, of course, with Duke, was a good freshman point guard. Eventually, what caught up to Duke was, in part, youth, starting four freshmen. Your four best players were all freshmen. And in part, I thought, predictability. Everybody knew Zion and RJ were going to get the ball. Cam Reddish was not quite good enough to be a a really scary college threat. More power to him. He's an NBA lottery pick. He's a multimillionaire. He did not have a great freshman year at Duke. He never became the really dangerous third option. And Trey Jones, better this year offensively than last year, was a, a weak at times offensive player. Great defender, great distributor, assist man, steals man. But they were daring him to shoot at times. So what happens? All your game plan defensively against that monster Duke of a year ago are geared to the predictability of if you can slow down Zion and RJ, you can beat the Devils. And sure enough, that happened. Didn't mean they didn't have a great year. They did. Didn't mean they couldn't win the ACC title. They did. But they fell short of their ultimate goal because they didn't round out their offensive diversity well enough. Well, guess what you have this year at Duke? Vernon Carey Jr. is one of the National Player of the Year candidates. Nothing wrong with what he's doing. He was triple teamed last night. That's why his numbers were down. That's not his fault. That's what you're supposed to do when you're triple teamed. Get the ball to open teammates. That's what he did. He's still the front runner for ACC Player of the Year and among the candidates for National Player of the Year. So Coach K's got one rock-solid stud in the post. Trey Jones is new and improved. He's still not a great three-point shooter, but he's better. He's making smarter decisions as well. So now you have two rocks to build around. They don't have the same talent as Zion and RJ, but if you can surround those two rocks with more weapons so that later this year, it's not if we can stop Zion and RJ, we got a chance to beat the Devils, which again proved true as a thesis a year ago. You don't want your opponents thinking, if we can stop Trey and Vernon, we're going to beat Duke. With each passing week, Coach K is adding another offensive weapon to that diverse team. And already, Cassius Stanley, folks, is a star. He's not a complimentary freshman. It was over the last five games, and remember, Cassius had, as a freshman wing guard, a season-high 24 points against one of the toughest opponents of the year, the Louisville Cardinals, this past weekend. Devils lost to Louisville in Cameron. Cassius Stanley scored a season-high 24 points against one of the better defensive teams they'll face all year. That's not something your routine rookie does. That's a great performance, even in defeat. Over his last five, prior to last night, Cassius Stanley had been averaging 18 points per game. So now you not have two, you only have two, Trey and Vernon, now you got Cassius Stanley. Well, going into last night, all right, you got a three-headed monster. And then they dare somebody not named Vernon Carey to beat him. And sure enough, fellow freshman, in this case 6'9 forward Matthew Hurt, 22.6 rebounds, three blocked shots, eight of 11 from the field, four of seven from three-point land. 
That is not a nice line. That is a great line against an ACC opponent. Now, if Stanley sustains what he's done lately and Matthew Hurt builds on this performance against Miami last night, again, we all knew the Devils were going to win, but the bigger takeaway is Matthew Hurt gained confidence. Matthew Hurt was dared by Miami to beat them. And Matthew Hurt said, okay, I take that dare. I accept that challenge, and I will make you pay. Matthew Hurt a month ago couldn't have done that. Matthew Hurt now not only can, but just did. That is an important takeaway because if he keeps getting better and more confident, he's still not great defensively, but he's looking more and more like a great weapon offensively. Guess what? Unlike last year, there can't be an if we stop Zion and RJ, we're going to win. You got to stop Vernon Carey and Trey Jones and Cassius Stanley and Matthew Hurt and maybe others chime in from time to time as complimentary players. Biggest takeaway is the star version of Cassius Stanley is showing up regularly and the star version of Matthew Hurt showed up at least once against an ACC opponent. He can build on that and he certainly has to draw some confidence on that. Takeaway number two, only 10 turnovers. Why did Coach K say they lost back-to-back games to Clemson and Louisville? He mentioned age. Nothing you can do about that, right? (laughs) You just get older. That's all. There's no magic wand for that. There's no elixir. You just have to get older. He mentioned inexperience. Not much you can do about that either when you're playing so many freshmen. Only time heals that wound. He mentioned turnovers. They had a lot against Clemson. They had a lot against Louisville. They had only 10 against Miami. That's not a small deal. That's a big deal. One of the areas the Devils needed to improve, they did. Again, only against Miami, only last night, but the the arrow is pointed in the right direction. And finally, do you know what Coach K gets now? After an 89-59 win over Miami, the mad scientist gets to take the Blue Devils into the ultimate laboratory. Every college basketball team gets a week-long break during conference play. You usually play two games a week. Everybody somewhere on their schedule has that seven-day break between games. It is now for Duke. Teams led by Mike Krzyzewski tend to emerge from the seven days behind the curtain. It is the ultimate teacher in the ultimate classroom. He believes in practice the way you might swear with your hand on the Bible while taking an oath. It's that important to Mike Krzyzewski and the way he does things at Duke. He gets the devils without the quote-unquote distractions of the media and games and travel and the Cameron crazies and everything else. It's just the mad scientist with his players in his ultimate laboratory. They're already one of the half a dozen best teams in the country. And now Duke gets to go into that week-long stretch without another game before getting back into action middle of next week. David Shoemate is the play-by-play voice of Duke football and men's basketball. He joins us live in about 15 minutes. More of your phone calls are next on the David Glenn Show. Background of the University of North Carolina. We got to win now. Let's don't start looking at rebuilding. Let's don't talk about how bad we are. Let's don't talk about we're not better than anybody. Let's figure out how to win. And that's what we've done. And, and the Coastal, because it's been up in the air every year, why shouldn't we have a chance? Keep it dialed in to the David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. 1-800-849-2761. Rick Bunnell live from Paris, France on the NBA debut tonight of Zion Williamson. That's actually stateside. The Charlotte Hornets are in France 
for a regular season game. We'll talk with Rick about all of the above. David Shoemate, play-by-play voice at Duke, will drop by live in about 15 minutes. More of your phone calls now. Zion Williamson, Duke over Miami. UNC at Virginia Tech tonight. The NFL, of course, is always on our mind. Chiefs 49ers still 11 days away. The update on Luke Keekley that I mentioned as we come to JR and Jody and Gary and you, 1-800-849-2761. The 28-year-old retired linebacker is still retired, but now he is expected to stay with the Carolina Panthers or at least investigate his options there. He, again, will not be a player. He has not changed his mind, but he has told David Tepper reportedly that he wants to maintain a relationship with football, preferably with the Panthers. He's not 100% sure whether he wants to be a coach or an advisor or learn how to be an executive. He has not yet closed the door on the possibility of a broadcasting career, but if he works for an NFL franchise in one of those capacities, word is that he would like it to be with the uh, Carolina Panthers, the only franchise whose uniform he has worn, of course, at the pro level. JR and Apex has either Zion Williamson's question of the day or Duke basketball on his mind. Are you betting boom or bust or something in between for Zion as he makes his NBA debut tonight? I'm betting boom, but I'm also going to bet that his career will be sort of pockmarked with injuries. Yeah. I just uh, a body that big that moves that much is going to break down. I, I, I don't see him having a 15, 20-year career. I, I, I understand. I don't think you're crazy for thinking that way. It'll be interesting to see what the doctors say about all that, and I'm sure the Pelicans are going to kind of treat him with kids, kid gloves to the degree that they can. Uh, but he will make his debut tonight. Who else did you have in mind for the all-time Duke in the NBA team? Well, there was a wing player in the 70s that just kept Duke in games, went to the NBA. I'll be honest, I don't remember what kind of career he had there. I know he went. His name was Spinarkle. Oh, yeah, Jim Spinarkle. And, uh, and he, um, I mean, it, it, Bill Foster would have gone, been fired years before if he had not gotten Spinarkle there. But the, he kept them in games against Carolina and State when without him, they would have been about like the football team was back then. <laughs> I, fun, I remember Spinarkle as an NBA guy from my childhood in Philadelphia because he played with the Sixers. I'm pretty sure he didn't last in the NBA beyond a handful of seasons. And, of course, he's still a broadcaster. You get Jim Spinarkle on March Madness NCAA tournament games every year to this day, if I remember correctly. So he probably would not be on the all-time Duke in the NBA team, again, judging only by what they do at the pro level. Kyrie Irving, Grant Hill, Elton Brand, Luol Deng, Carlos Boozer, and a whole host of others. I think we all have built a 15-man roster by this point. David Shoemate on the modern Blue Devils and maybe the debut of Zion at the NBA level. He'll join us third hour, so will Rick Bennell live from Paris, France. You want in on baseball? Jody wants to chime in on Derek Jeter. He got in but fell one vote short of a unanimous first ballot Hall of Famer. More on college hoops as well. You can be next by dialing 1-800-849-2761 on The David Glenn Show. Mike Lupica, welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Sports used to be called the toy department, and I said, look at the political scene, and, and, and tell me that's any more real or, or more serious than what we see when people say, oh, stick to sports. Who passed that law? You're listening to the David Glenn Show. 
former Duke star Zion Williamson makes his NBA regular season debut tonight. The current Blue Devils are again among the contenders for the national championship and, of course, the ACC title. On the other side, Duke football and men's basketball play-by-play -play voice David Shoemate joins us on the David Glenn Show. He's the UVA head basketball coach, Tony Bennett. You always believed in us. I guess you were the wind beneath our wings. There you go. How's that? <laughs> Do we but, have uh, background music for right. that? That's right. That's Bette Midler. There we go. You are the wind beneath my wings. Keep it right here on the David Glenn Show.